from Boss Track, It's Her Hype Squad, a show about amazing women who've made incredible strides as leaders in their industry. They're here to support you and your leadership growth, to encourage you and hype you up as part of your Hype Squad. Hello, this is Michelle Harris back with a new episode of Her Hype Squad with Boss Track. This week, I talk with Francine Fetter, marketing executive about building strong teams, understanding your team's motivations, handling rejection, marketing and women's sports, respecting your team, promoting work-life balance, and so much more. Francine has so much insight, experience, and advice to share from her many years of experience. But before we get into our conversation, let me tell you a little bit about Francine. Francine is currently working as an independent marketing consultant after her 20-plus year career with Foot Locker, including 12 years at the VP level, leading diverse marketing teams across brand strategy, creative and content, public relations, digital marketing, paid media, social media, influencer and talent marketing, and events. She is an award-winning marketer whose accolades include numerous Con Lions, Sports Clios, and the Effie Award for sustained success for footlocker campaigns that have garnered national press and recognition. Her current consulting assignments include, amongst others, a role as the VP of Athlete Storytelling and Business Development for Athlete Driven, and an integrated marketing agency specializing in working with brands using athletes at the center and also serving as an executive advisor to Deseo, a decentralized social media startup platform. Francine lives in New York with her husband and her golden doodle dog, Huey. She is an avid traveler, wine, food, fitness, and boating enthusiast. If you enjoyed my conversation with Francine, be sure to subscribe to our channel and help more people find us by sharing this episode with others or by leaving a review. Or subscribe to our weekly newsletter filled with things we found that we're excited about and were inspired by, along with valuable leadership advice to watch, listen to, or read. It's a little bit of joy for your inbox each Monday. You can subscribe at www.thebosstrack.com forward slash weekly joy. Now, without further delay, here's my conversation with Francine Fetter. Hi, Francine. Thank you so much for joining us here on Her Hype Squad with the Boss Track. Thanks, Michelle. Nice to see you. Good morning. Good morning. And I'm so excited to get into our conversation. We're going to be talking about building and empowering strong teams. And I'm I'm really looking forward to all the perspective that you could provide on that topic. Uh, But I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself uh, to the audience before we get started, just so they can hear a little bit about you in your own words. Sure. Uh, I'm Francine Fetter. I was up until very recently, I had a very long tenure at Foot Locker of you know some various marketing roles. Most recently, it was the vice president of consumer connections where I headed up our creative content, PR influencer, event marketing team. So fairly large team of of about 60 people. Great career, especially I think for women in the sports industry right now and really, you know, learning how to deal with different types of people and everything from retail to sports marketing to athlete marketing to women's marketing. And it it was a really, really great experience, but, you know, everything kind of comes to an end at some point or another. And it was really time for me to look at a different chapter. And currently I'm consulting 
which has been nice. It's not to say I'm not going to go back to a corporate role at some point here or there, but for now I'm working with a couple of different companies. Um, One most notably an agency called Athlete Driven, where I really was able to take my passion for sports and athlete marketing and, and providing a role for them there to help grow their business, manage and work with athletes. So that's been that's been really fun. And um, another startup I'm working for called Dizeo, which is a, a social commerce platform that I think you're going to hear really good things about soon. So it, it's been exciting after working at, at one organization to really tackle a different depth and, and breadth of things. And quite frankly, also enjoy my summer a bit and walk my dog and do a lot of fun things. So well, that's great. Well, before we get into the conversation, I have a few questions from that. Sure. Um, first of all, what kind of dog? Oh, he's a golden doodle. He's three. Oh. Oh. And his <laughs> yeah, name? Very sweet. Huey. Huey. Oh, that's so yeah. cute. So everyone who knows me knows it's all about Huey. It's, it's his world. <laughs> We're just living in it right now. <laughs> well, that's the way it always is that with, with, uh, especially I, I think dogs, um, they just ha- hold this special place in people's hearts. Yeah. No, I, I was never a dog owner before this and my husband was as a kid. So he really wanted it. And now it's my dog. <laughs> it's not his dog. <laughs> Um, and also, uh, you mentioned a uh, passion for sports. Were you, did was that driven from your background? Did you, were you in sports or just something? I was, I was a swimmer. I was a swimmer, but yeah, I was never, you know, the sport I mostly deal with now is basketball and that's not something I did. So that was more driven professionally, but I always did love competitive sports. I'm a New Yorker through and through. My father grew up two blocks from Yankee Stadium. So we were a very, so it was my father and my brother and I would sit and watch sports with them. So I definitely had that ingrained in me. We we went to Yankee Stadium as kids all the time, Giants, you know, all the New York teams. So <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. New York is the perfect place to be for sports for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so you talked about having a team of 60 people. I imagine, and this kind of gets into our discussion, that you had a very diverse group of people working for you in terms of diversity of culture, diversity of age, diversity of where people were located. Could you mm-hmm. maybe describe, I mean, I think that might be a good setup for our conversation to describe like how what that looked like for your team. Sure. Um, yeah, I had a very it was a very diverse team. I think, you know, New York in and of itself is such a diverse place. So you definitely get that from Foot Locker's perspective too. Our customer was incredibly diverse. So you needed to you want to have people that actually reflect your customer base because in a marketing role, you really need to understand how they think, what their passion points are. So really, we even from the New York team alone, we've had my leadership team, I think was uh, you know, Asian American, Latinx, African American, all genders, LGBTQ. And that was very a very New York enclave there. But we had teams sitting in Florida, um, in you know the St. Petersburg area. I had 
photographer and we did a photo studio and our photo studio was in Junction City, Kansas. Oh, um, so you definitely, you had that geographic diversity as well. And at one point there was also a photo studio in Wisconsin. So had a little bit of middle of the country, Florida, New York from a geography perspective. And then I mean, it really was a very, you know, I like to say our team looked like America and, yeah. and what America looks like right now. Oh, that's, that's, not, I love that. And what about age? I know there's been a lot of articles lately, and we've shared a few in our newsletter about um, intergenerational work and where did you also have a lot of generational differences? Yeah, we've had a lot, you know, everything from Gen X to boomers. uh, uh, I mean, from Gen Z, sorry, to boomers. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a Gen Xer. Most of my, you know, my team are millennials and the Gen Zs that were coming up. I think it's so interesting how I think people love to sort of pit the generations against each other. And and I just say, you know what? It was funny, I'm Gen X. And when I was kind of coming up in the workplace, it was, oh, the lost generation. I think you're always gonna have that with, with the younger generations coming in. They're like, oh, they're lazy. They don't, you know, they don't wanna work. They're like Gen X, it was all like, oh, they're just like kind of drugged out and driftless and like, no, we worked our butts off and, mm-hmm. you know, coming, you know, I was like, I had such a strong work ethic. And I mean, my parents were even like before boomers, mm-hmm. I forget what they're called, greatest generation, you know, and, but, and so we, I just, I think it's a little unfair. I think in every generation, you're going to have your achievers and your people that, that don't. Um, but I do think there are some fundamental things that we can learn from each other. Like for one thing, I completely respect Gen Z's boundaries. They, uh, I think they've brought something, you know, yes, in, in my day, it was as a junior person in marketing, I, and we didn't have the phones and the things to, to take things home. So in one sense, it was nice because you left the office and you left the office, but I would stay till eight, nine at night until something was done. And there were weeks where I worked 70, 80 hours. And and today, and I don't know if it's a, co- a result of COVID thing or, or all of the things that, that have come in play recently, but they have incredible respect for their own time, which I really, which I appreciate. And I actually think it's made the workplace better that way. And it's made, I think it's made folks in my generation and older kind of stop and think for a minute, like, why do we, why do we have to be this crazy? You know, I really agree with that. And it's so interesting when I was coming up in my career, there were a lot of times where it was more about visibility, like you should Uh stay till eight or nine not because you actually had something to get done, but it was expected and to be seen and it didn't matter. And then they didn't care if you really were working on something or not. And that's so crazy. Like why? Yeah. They just wanted to know that you're there. It was get in before your boss and leave after him or her. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I like what you said about we're so similar. At why, why like pitting generations against each other? Because yeah. I feel like that has, that has been done and overdone. And, and that's really what um, some of the articles and speeches that we've been reviewing are about. It's like, it's time to stop pitting everybody yeah. against each other because there's more similarities than there yeah. are differences. And, um, you know, like anything, it makes for great clickbait and yeah. conversation. <laughs> so it, it it's going to happen. It's just kind of how you manage it. So in general, how would you say, like, what were the overarching themes that you were paying, you paid attention to in managing that diversity? Yeah. On your team? I think one is, understanding people's perspective of how they approach things because just just in gender race age all, all the diversity aspects aside i think everybody everybody comes into a job into a workplace with years of history of how they were raised were they rich or poor or somewhere in between what motivates them and drives them did they have a single parent that worked so hard that they never want to work they want to get to the top really quickly and provide for them like everybody just kind of comes in with a different blueprint so i think a lot of it is it's this interesting balance where it's don't get too personal at work don't ask people too many questions you you know you don't want to know but I think it helps to understand what motivates everybody because not everybody is going to respond to motivation. If you, Michelle, just want, you know, the the straight, if you're a straight A student and you want the accolades and the great reviews and all of that, then I know like, okay, just achievement, things like that motivate you. Somebody else might be a little bit different and they're a quieter person and they just want to, they just want to do a good job in the background and, and public praise isn't going to make them happy. Some people honestly, they're like, it's a job. I just want money. Like leave me alone. So I think it, it's the whole kind of blueprint and complexity of people and diversity of thought and really just bringing everyone together. It's like not everyone who's African-American and grew up in New York thinks the same. People come from different families and people come from different backgrounds and contexts. And I think it's trying, I think when you put people in these like, um, uh, you know, just sort of buckets like that, it, it's, that's what doesn't lead to success, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. When you shared up front, you started that with, like, don't ask too many questions, don't get too personal. Mm -hmm. Is that the sense that you got? Like, is that just the feeling that you were getting from your team? Or was that more of a no, cultural thing? No, I think thing? that was more, I think that's more what people say about work. Like, oh. you know, they're, they're, you shouldn't. Um, and I get, I get it for an interview. You know, you never want to show biases in a job interview and find out if someone has kids or if they're you, you you legally can't do that I mean and but once somebody's part of the team I personally think it's important to at least some people are very private but just at least understand some context of what makes people tick I just think the norm has been at least what maybe that's a generational difference now um but at least when I was going into work, everyone's like, don't talk about anything unless they ask you. Don't. And 
So I think there is a bit of that hesitancy to open up or if you, you know, especially now with all the focus. And, and I think that's another thing that that Gen Z has has positively brought into the workplace as well is um, the whole focus on mental health. And if, if something is not going well in your personal life, like how it is going to affect your work, I think it's very important to know and to understand. So you really understand like, okay, how's the team going to function? Do we need people? Because ultimately you want a strong team or is when people have each other's backs and you want people to cover for each other. And it, it really helps as opposed to like, oh, Tommy's leaving at three o'clock every day. Like what the heck? Like, why am I doing everything as opposed to, like, you know, Tommy's dad is dying and he's going to the hospital every day that at least you're like, okay, you know what there's, and that's the qualities of empathy and, and all of the other things that I think are so important to have a very like healthy, productive team. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about understanding and having those conversations with your team just to build that trust and um, have them mm-hmm. know uh, that you're interested in them personally. Yeah. And, you know, and like you said, there are going to be people that don't want to share personal things and that's okay. And understanding those boundaries, but that's definitely, definitely something I think, and I see as being critical to building a strong team I like that. Okay. You said something that I was uh, going to ask about, but maybe it'll come back to me. You did talk a little bit about having those conversations to understand what motivates people with the intergenerational team where everybody does want something different or people just with different backgrounds. How do you handle that complexity when you you're having to think about for, I know it's not really 60 direct people that you are Mm -hmm. responsible for, but I mean, even your direct reports, like how do you handle that in um, a way that is seen as like equal as well? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think it's, um, you know, look, people, there are obviously some people you have stronger rapports with than others. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's, that's how people are. But I think for me, what was important at least with my directs was weekly touch bases. And I never came in with an agenda. I mean, yeah, if there were a couple of pressing things, it's okay, here are a couple things, like, let's get that. Okay, this is your time. What do you need from me? How can I help you? And then I encourage them to do it with their teams. And then I would do skip level meetings with folks that reported to my directs more once a month um, and, and things of that nature. And then obviously when before remote work, it was easier to just sort of like pop over to someone's cube and see how they were doing. But I think making those concerted efforts to have these Zoom calls and 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 check in are very important. But I think leaving the most important thing, and again, this was not something I got right, right away managing, but leaving open, leaving open-ended time and encouraging people that their time with you is their time. And allowing them to really ask questions, flourish, talk about what's on their mind. And and you'd be surprised at at what comes back. You hear a lot of really good information. (laughs) Yeah. Curious because uh, 
I've had a few guests on that have talked about having skip level meetings. And also, I mean, I've, I've done those, but how, how would you say you manage those without feeling like you are stepping on the toes of the, of your, of your direct report, the person that they're actually, uh, Honestly, just as, just to, uh, for people that might not know what mm-hmm. skip, skip level meetings are, if you could maybe just explain what, what that looks like for you and then how you handle that. Of course. Yeah. So skip level meeting is, um, so you're my direct report and Jane reports to you. I would have a meeting with Jane to just check in and and see how she was doing. Honestly, I like with me, it's transparency. It Mm -hmm. was, it's just telling, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I it's, I do not, it's not that I don't trust what you're saying about Jane or how she's doing. It's important for me to hear from the team to get a whole gauge of, you know, of what's happening here and how I can better serve everybody. And now, of course, if Jane's saying like, oh my God, Michelle's a horrible boss and she's doing like all this, then, then we will have a conversation and you know, again, but the whole point is to be completely open-minded and transparent and just honestly, like, and I say the word transparency a lot. It's, it is the key to everything. Yes. Are there certain like things that are working at the highest levels of the company that you cannot share with your team? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I think as transparent as you possibly can be, with your team is, is what's going to lead to less hurt feelings, less disgruntlement across the way. Yeah. Oh, we could, yeah, we could have a whole conversation about transparency. I, yeah. I, I, to, I completely agree. And, and you're right. It is difficult being in the middle sometimes where you just mm-hmm. can't share certain information, but all you can do is be transparent that yeah. you can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you ever had a situation where your direct report felt uncomfortable about you meeting with their reports? You know, I can't say I have. I think for the most part, they've been, I've had one that's like, don't believe everything that comes out of their mouth, but they weren't like uncomfortable about the meeting, if you will. (laughs) Did that feel like that put you in a position of feeling, being uncomfortable with the situation or is that just feel so much uncomfortable is like, okay, you know, I, this was, this happened to be a direct report I, I really liked and trusted. And so it, it gave me, I mean, did it give me maybe some like little bias going into the meeting? Probably. Yeah. And so you did talk about working remotely and you talked about mm-hmm. having teams in different locations. How were there any maybe things that you did working remotely or man leading remotely that you could share with the audience that might be helpful for them to learn from? Sure. Um, I mean, on the, I think it's important to part of like office culture, whether it's made fun of on TV shows or not, are, you know, those like, whatever, like you have a pizza, you have a gathering, you go for drinks after work, like things like that. So I think what I found that was missing during a lot of COVID was some of the camaraderie that really came with being a team when everybody was remote. So one of the things that I I did for the holidays, I did a virtual wine tasting with 
the whole team. So we had all, all of the people and I got somebody, I've got buy-in from HR. They were great. And they were like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's do it. And we had wine, like everybody got to pick like their flight. And we had a, a sommelier from California, like mm-hmm. on the phone, just explaining the different wines. And it was because there was so many people, like you broke out into small Zoom groups. So you were with like six people and I made sure they mixed up like people from creative or with people from events and people from different offices that don't normally see each other, even when we were in like once or twice a week. So I thought that was really, really fun. And our really fun way to, uh, and everybody seemed to, everyone seemed to like it and who doesn't like free wine or I think people had the option. They could do a beer flood. There was a beer group too. So we, it was diversity of alcohol preferences too. (laughs) It's also very important or, or non-drinkers get a, get a non-alcoholic flight, but it was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Well, it sounds like it. And that's a great idea. And so can you, I don't know if you can answer this, but did you have like a certain budget that you could use for team building events like that? And a second question to that is, you know, a lot of people listening to this or it might be new leaders just trying to feel out their own role and might be uncomfortable with doing something like that because they are worried about uh, asking, can I do this? Is there any kind of advice you'd be able to give for them to go to HR or their direct report to propose something that they're interested in doing with their team? Of course. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think you're, you know, again, in a lot, I'm talking, this was a large organization. I know there's orgs of all sizes, a c- company I'm working for now. I mean, it's like, you know, talk to the co-founders every day. Yeah, whatever. It's super easy, but mm-hmm. from a large organization perspective, it would be your HR business partner is your best friend. They really are. Um, and, and a good, we had really good HR people at foot. And I think the understanding the importance of team building and, and what that meant, especially, you know, and, and I think COVID was a big eye opener for that for sure. So I think, under building that relationship and building that trust and saying, Hey, listen, this isn't, this isn't because people just want to drink for free. This is, you know, really here's why we need to do this. Here's the situation. Hey, we've got, I'm a new leader. I'm getting to know this team. It's really important for me to make sure we're functioning at an optimal level. And I think there's an important trust factor that I want to build here. And again, and always have budget options. Like don't, don't come in with like the crazy expensive thing right away. Just be like, Hey, here's something we can do. That's pretty low cost. If we want to add X, it could be this much better and more exciting. And again, like large organizations do have engagement surveys and these are, you know, you could always use that as like, Hey, this, this really helps. Like we want people, we want to be a great place to work. We want that little sticker on on the bottom of an email, but so it's understanding that and, and just don't be afraid. Look, the worst, the worst that can happen is somebody says no. And if they say no, they say no. And then when people start quitting or the engagement scores are low, you can be like, well, I, you know, I I wanted to do this, but (laughs) you know, that. Worst, the worst thing that can always happen is somebody just says no, and that's it. And 
can't take it personally. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think that is really one thing I wish everybody could learn. And I'm not sure, you know, there should be a rejection course everybody has to take in high school it's or true. something it's because so true. it's not never per- I mean see, sometimes it can be personal but in, most of the time it, majority of the time is never personal and I used to be crushed when yeah. people said no to me but yeah. you can yeah, just see learn to dust it off you know <laughs> yes exactly oh I, I'm gonna make a note of that reje- a rejection course <laughs> <laughs> I like it <laughs> Did you ha- ever have, um, like thinking back to that wine tasting, beer tasting, non-alcoholic tasting, how did, what was the feedback after? And have you ever had to work with somebody that was opposed to doing team building events like that? Yeah. I mean, I think they're, you know, they're, they're introverts always in, in things. And I, I, you know what? I always make it optional. Here's the thing. I highly encourage you to attend because everyone's going to be there. But if you, if you don't want to, that's that's cool. Like you can't force anyone, you can't force anyone to do anything. And I think it's it's sort of the forced fun that I always like think of like the Michael Scott parties in the office. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's my pop culture reference here. Like, you don't like it, this isn't forced fun. This isn't like, Hey, you must sit in the conference room and have pizza, but you know what? It, it's a nice thing to do. And, and that, that's how you deal with people. It's you, mm-hmm. you just don't, you don't make them do it. I've gotten good feedback from, uh, you know, from things like that, for sure. We used to make fun of like, at a, I think pre COVID where it was like, Oh, people are unhappy. Let's just have a pizza. Pe- let's give them a free pizza, you know? And that like, that sort of became a joke, like, eh, give them a pizza. But yeah. some people just want a good job. Like, don't, I, I don't want food. I don't want wine. Just, you know what? There are other things you can do too. Like there might be the person who doesn't want to go to the pizza party or, or the the tasting, but send them a note like, Hey, Michelle, you really did kick butt job on that project last week. Really appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> I like that I you're using me as your examples. It's making me I feel mean, good. you're right in front of me. <laughs> it's making me feel great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. The times that I've had people that are like, oh, that's so stupid. Like, and I don't have time. I don't want to do that. I have work to do. And mm-hmm. and you do make it optional. And then they yeah. end up like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to go. And then they end up having like the best time. Uh, yeah, so, exactly. So I, exactly. I always enjoyed when, when that happened. <laughs> we were talking about your team earlier and I was curious with the different perspectives and people coming from different places did you ever have maybe you can even provide an example of a time where there was like a disagreement with between people on your team and it was maybe driven by misunderstanding of like a background cultural difference generational difference yeah how you handle that I think a lot of, I think it happens often because um, we're a marketing organization, right? And that, you know, we're very deliberate about everything we do from casting of models and people who are going to be in photo shoots to what makes an authentic situation in, in certain things. And I think people definitely, I think 
geography and background definitely like makes a difference in things. And I remember for us as an organization, it, it's, you know, it's important that we reflect all cultures and whatever. And then somebody had passed a comment once they're like, okay, yeah, let's make sure we get like our token of everybody in there. I know that's what we're doing. And then, so something like that. So that's like a teaching moment. You're like, whoa, is that, is that how you think we're looking at this? Mm -hmm. And that, and just having the conversation about understanding, hey, this is, this is about our customer. This is customer marketing. We want to make sure we're inviting, we recognize who our biggest customers are, and that's going to be where we skew, but we want to make sure we're not being exclusive to anybody or any one group. So I think there, there have definitely been moments like that, that were perpetuated by somebody who maybe like didn't see themselves reflected in the work or, or, or something like that. So yeah. yeah. This is kind of off topic a little bit, but something popped into my head when you said about the marketing. How what how are you liking um or <laughs> this is like a really bad way to ask the question, okay. but I guess I'll say like I really like the fact that there are so many more so many more marketing efforts focused on the women's teams and having the women empowerment. And I think Nike does a really good job at that. And I was can't remember. I was just watching, oh, it was Lego. Lego has a mm -hmm. something with, oh shoot, she just retired, Megan Rapinoe and yeah. a bunch of other sports sports athletes that is really empowering like what what are your thoughts on I mean I love I mean I love it look as as a woman who works in an industry that has been like the marketing in and of itself is I think very balanced from a gender perspective there are a lot of female CMOs and and people at, at the highest levels there athletic marketing sports and then c-suite getting better, still not, still not there. So women are, we're half the population. Like I was always like, women's marketing shouldn't be a thing. It, mm -hmm. It's, it, it is, it's, it's everybody. It's part of society, but unfortunately it's still a thing. But I think the more that, I mean, look at Barbie, okay, that is the most, the single most brilliant marketing example of 2023. And yes, powerhouse budget, all, all of the things, great movie, Greta Gerwig's phenomenal. Um, but just look at what that's done for the conversation about, talk about take, I mean, they're brilliant. Talk about taking a 1950s anatomically incorrect stereotypical here's a female here's what a woman should look like and kind of turning it on its head for today um for a message i mean i, I think that that's absolutely brilliant and in in my space too and i mean some of the work i'm doing with with athlete driven now is is very exciting because we're talking about okay well how do we you know how do we sign more female athletes for our clients? What are we doing? We've got a team, you know, it's six person team. Half the team is women, um, two co-owner, two BIPOC co-owners. It's a very nice small group. And I, so I'm seeing like the progress of, of the importance of that. And I think of being 
a woman, especially in, in the sports space, I, I'm seeing, I've dealt with some really great female sports agents that represent their male clients and, and some really, really strong women. And it's just been very encouraging. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Did, so did you see the Barbie movie? I have not yet. Yeah. admittedly, but I, I know what it's about and I've read enough. So I'm supposed to see it next week. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've read so many articles. Um, I have not. Yeah. Seen, I feel I like seen I've seen it. Yeah. I think they've, I read, no, you know what it was yesterday? I read the, um, uh, someone wrote out the, it was like the America Ferrera yeah. speech, mm-hmm. which was like so true in so many ways. I would say just seek that out. If anyone hasn't read it, just just Google it. And it it's so true. It's like, I'm supposed to be pretty, but not too pretty and smart, but not too smart and ask questions, but not too many questions. And it, it's like everything we go through. Like if you say too much, you're bitchy and assertive. If you don't say enough, you're too quiet. It's it, it's like you can never win. It was, it's incredible. It, it was, she nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely share that in the show notes just for anybody that might be looking for it. But yeah, you're right. I I saw, I read read an article the other day that was talking about those, how it was particularly about Greta Gerwig and the, her nod to, I guess, feminism in a, in a certain way. And they were pulling out certain things and they brought up that quote. And then I think it's been going around social media now where people are sharing her specific, mm-hmm. uh, specific quotes. So yeah, that's um, great. Yeah. I, I love it. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie. I just, yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Me too. I'm excited. <laughs> We're, I, I think we'll do the, the Barbie Oppenheimer double feature. <laughs> be popular. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't realize that Oppenheimer is like a three hour movie. So yeah. Oh, so oh, that's basically half yeah. your day. <laughs> just go to, go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be good on a rainy day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What what are the things when we were talking before we actually sat down to record was um, the differences between managing up versus managing down and how managing mm-hmm. down can sometimes be more difficult than managing up. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. No, absolutely, because I've I've seen it done so wrong so many times. Um, I, I think. It, it's always easier to manage up, right? Because somebody sets expectations. You need to deliver something on a deadline. You need to fix presentation. And this happens at all levels, right? You do it. You know where, where you're coming from. You know who your boss is. You kind of know what to do. And I think for women, I think managing down is especially especially hard for women, not because every, look, everybody's different, but generally speaking, we don't like being the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I think there is this perception of if you're telling someone, you, you know, it's sort of like the way, like, Hey, I need this done tomorrow by noon. It's like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm terrible. And, and, I found this more when I was a new manager. I'm like, oh my God, I'm terrible. I'm like telling people what to do. Like, this is like, how, how am I going to do this? Like, what if they're going to hate me? There's always that, like, there's such anxiety with that. So, so that's one aspect of the managing town. The other, I think, is, is the time thing. Like, I have seen so many, man, like, peers of mine and things like, 
just don't like, they're amazing at managing up and people and like senior people love them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, does it get them the extra nod or two? Yes. But never have touch bases with their team are late to meetings with their team constantly. And I, I always say like, you treat, treat a meeting with the person working for you the same way you do with the person you're working for. You show up on time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're late without a, a decent explanation, that's like, Hey, give me five minutes or whatever. Cause look, we all get stuck in things. But if you're, if you're egregiously late or don't show up to a meeting, that's just basically saying, I don't respect you and I don't have respect for your time. Right. And that's when I think managing down becomes such a, such a misdone thing, mm-hmm. it, especially, you know, but like, honestly, if I have a meeting, if I had a meeting with my team and I was on with my boss, I'll be like, Hey, I've got a meeting with my team at 11. It's 1043. Do you think we're going to run long? I'd like to let them know. Yeah. Like just being very, like you would be shocked at how many people just don't do that and don't have regard for people's time. And I, I think that's really, so not only is it, so there's two aspects. There's the not feeling comfortable, like, telling people what to do or coaching them, but also just not respecting people's time that mm-hmm. that happens with managing down. Cause you'd never be late for meeting with your boss, right? Mm-hmm. Like why, why is it okay to, to do that the other way? And I think those are really just sort of the two, the two biggest missteps I see. The first one I think is probably more female focus. The second one I've seen male and female managers do um, in a really bad way. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the things new leaders can do, well, all leaders should really have Mm -hmm. this perspective is that your team is basically an extension of you. They are, you have these goals that you have to meet with your team and your team is helping you get there. So if you are not taking care of your team and building that trust and making sure that they have what they need to succeed. Ultimately, whether your direct report sees through that or not, it's it's going mm-hmm. to reflect on you because you, you're not going to reach those goals that you need. And you could even be more high impact and more high performing if you take, take that approach. So exactly. um, I'd, I'd love to know, do you have any specific words of advice for women? Because you say about women and, and communicating and maybe feeling uncomfortable telling somebody they mm-hmm. need to do something, especially when it's a difficult deadline or an unexpected deadline. Like, yeah. what is it? What is it? Do you have words of advice for how to approach a conversation sure. like that? I think giving people context really helps mm-hmm. always. So as opposed to saying like, hey, I need you to do this by five o'clock tomorrow. It's listen, you know, we've got an unexpected meeting that we've realized that we don't have, not everything is completely prepared for. Here's why it's important to the company. This could bring in a new revenue stream, but like, let them know why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. I I think I've always found that helps immensely because then people like, it's just not as random. People feel respected. They feel part of the goal. 
And you know what? And sometimes it is random. Sometimes there could be a boss that's like, hey, you know what? This was purple and I want it red and it's really stupid and purple. And like, sometimes there is no reason. And I think it's okay if you tell them that because then it feels like you're like, like, hey, listen, this, there's, I don't have the rhyme or reason for this, but I really need you to help me out right now. And that's okay too. But I think always giving context when you can is is the best advice I can give. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. And I think I'd love to move to, well, actually I have one more question before we switch to some mm-hmm. of the, the like standard questions I ask everybody. Okay. But we talked a little bit about this when you talked about generational differences in Gen Z and boundaries, but how do you promote a good work-life balance with your team? Do, have you found any like magic to that? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I wish I had all the answers. <laughs> I ran away from corporate now. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I've got a good work-life balance now. Now, <laughs> I honestly, I just say, do look, I care le- unless there's a meeting or things that we all need to be at together. My biggest thing is I don't care when you do your work. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, is sort of, I don't know how popular of an opinion that is in corporate America, especially now with the return to office and, and all of that. But I really believe it. If you're not a morning person and you need a workout and you need like 10 cups of coffee and you really can't get started till 10 o'clock, you know what? That's okay. If you're doing what you need to do at eight o'clock, but just show up for the times where we need to collaborate as a team and no excuses then. I think that's really the biggest thing. Like, do you figure out your life, encourage people to do that? Um, Only where, Hey, this is, you know what? We meet Tuesdays at nine, just be there for that. And like that, that sort of thing. I think that's really really the best way, the best way to do it. And there are always going to be deadlines and there are always going to be circumstances like out of your control, but do the best you can to uh, encourage people to take the time that they need for them. And you know what? And if there's a nut week with a thousand deadlines and, you know, nonstop, then take a mental health day next week. Just let people know they can do that, yeah. I think is, is the most important thing. Yeah, definitely great words, words of wisdom there. And so one of the things, and I've, I've talked to a lot of people that are leaders and they have different perspectives on uh, letting people work from home. And then also feeling that the three day back is the magic, like three days mm-hmm. and then two days at home. And, and I know early on, a lot of people were worried about as leaders, like, how do you know if people are doing what they're supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of conversation, whether true or not, like why they want people to be back in the office. Do you think it's more that they're, they just don't feel like they have control and want to see people? Or do you think there is something to having people together and having it be a more bonding team experience? I do think there's something, I think it honestly, it depends on your organization, the size of your organization, what you do, what your Mm -hmm. output is. Marketing is is a creative thing. I think there is a benefit to people getting together, brainstorming, doing things. Do I think it needs to be three days a week? No, 
Um, but I think there is, I think it is at the pace of your business. It is always good to have certain in-person meetings. I always say like when we would have, you know, if, if an agency would come in to present a new creative campaign or even now working at an agency, I'm like, oh, we should do this in person. I think those things, I think key meetings make sense. Does it need to be every day? Does it need to be three days a week? Probably not. I think some of that, and, and everyone's different. Some of that is a control thing. Also really depends on what you do. If you're a computer coder, you really don't need to see people. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. I hate to say it. It honestly depends on your field. It depends on your line of work. It depends on how much brain, you know, collective brain power you you need. Um, do I think there's something to be said of this younger generation that has only been working since COVID, like not seeing people? I've been able to. I have tapped now that I'm consulting and in this different way of life, I've really had to tap into my network more if I want to take another job down the line or anything like that. I've been having, you know, and I find it's easier like when I'm in New York, like, hey, let's meet for a coffee. Let's do that. There's something to be said, but these were all connections I built over 25 years of being in person with people. And I wouldn't be that close with these people if I didn't have that. So I do think there is something to be said for this generation really not benefiting from that if they're not coming in and, and seeing mentors and, and people that can help develop them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know it's a sensitive topic. To, yeah. To and some sorry, people. like I, I don't mean to sound so both sides of the fence. No, no, but, but I really am because it's complex. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, it of course. Thing. And you, you've actually provided some uh, good things for people to think about on, on both yeah. sides. So you mentioned something that is a good segue into our next section and that is mentorship. Mm -hmm. And of course, with Boss Track and, and our point of having this podcast uh, is really about mentorship and providing experience and advice. Do you have a, is there a mentor that you can look back to your, in your career that made a difference uh, to yeah. you? I've had a few, you know, I think there, there's, there's straight impact, which I, I think the biggest difference in my career was, and I, I don't, you know. It was a woman I I interviewed with at my for my first job at, at an ad agency, and I had I had previously interned at LVMH when I was in college and and right after, and I I wanted to go work for this ad agency, and she said, "You don't want." She's like, "No, you don't want to do this. You have client side experience. I'm sending you Footlocker is my client. I'm sending you over there." And that was how I got the job. And that was how I, I started this career. So I don't know where you are anymore, but the Kathy Lynch, thank you. <laughs> it was it was a very, I'd say that for the person that made the most impact in my career, I've had many mentors and, and people that, that have helped me out. I've had like my, I'll, I'll shout out my, my longtime female boss, uh, Stacey Cunningham, who's uh, living a fun life on the golf course right now. But she was, she was the boss that, that promoted me to the, you know, to the director role who gave me my opportunity. She was a very 
very smart woman, always had like great sayings and and ways to be and just always very encouraging and just a, a good example of female leadership. And then my, then the, the boss I had after that, um, Jed Berger, who's my very good friend, really, and I think people mentor you in different ways in different aspects of your career. Like we had met more as, you know, we were coworkers and we became partners and then he became my boss. And, but we, it was always a, like, he taught me how to be like the teammate mentor. It was always like, Hey, we're a team we're a pair, we're doing that, we're in this together and we're doing this together. And we did all of our best work at Foot Locker that way. So we kind of, he's kind of like my work husband, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, so, you know, there, I think there are always, there are always different people at different stages of your career that have different impacts on you for sure. And, and that are important. And I think, I think a mentor to a 25 year old looks very different than a mentor to a 40 year old because you're just at different stages. Yeah, definitely. And I I always tell people that you don't have to feel taught. I mean, not that you don't want to continue to work with a certain mentor, but mm-hmm. your mentor today might not be the mentor that you need in you know three, four, five years. It's going to change, potentially, potentially not, depending on, mm-hmm. on what that looks like. Yeah. And then also your mentor, you seek, I've had a ton of other people like outside of my company that mm-hmm. I really looked up to that I've worked with and that you're like, oh, wait, I like her style. Let me, let me emulate, you know, love how she's always calm in meetings, like things like that. So there have been so many people like sprinkled in throughout, like too many to count. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Do you have a routine either morning, afternoon, evening? Mm -hmm. And maybe if you could think back, because I know your life might be a little bit different now with being in consulting. If you look back to when you were in corporate, is there something that you did that really helped you kind of get through or like hope helped you with your well-being? Well, I, I think it hasn't actually changed from corporate to consulting and that thing that I work out every morning. I, I have to, I think it, that's what kind of keeps me sane. I mean, yeah. And when I was in corporate, I'd like run and either run to my building gym or run, take a soul cycle class. Now I've got the Peloton. And so I always, I, I, I start my day with a workout and coffee all the time. And then now do I have some extra breaks during my day to walk my dog that kind of keeps insanity. But even when, when I was working from home at corporate, I, I did the same, I think just kind of getting out, taking a break. But, you know, even when I was going to the office five days a week, it, it, it starting your day out with, with a workout, a cup of coffee, just kind of clears the mind. And, you know, like I'm always been more of a cardio person. I know some people like yoga, meditation, like whatever works for you, just take, if it's a walk, like whatever, whatever your fitness level, it doesn't matter. Just take, take a few minutes to like, just do something for your own body. Yeah. And do you feel that that doing that in the morning is more beneficial for you than moving that into like the evening or like after work? everybody's different. I, I liked it. I like it in the morning. Cause I think it, it just kind of set my energy level up and, and set my time. But Hey, like if, if you've got to start at 7am, I, I get it. If you have a long commute, it's, it's not realistic for some people and, and you either need to do it in the evening or just take a walk or 
or whatever. I, I get it. But there's always even like those 10 minute apps that you can do at home. It's just like mm -hmm. something to, yeah. to clear your mind. <laughs> Thank you. With that, is there a song? Do you have a go-to song when you need to hype yourself up, give yourself a little energy yeah. boost or confidence boost? I've always loved Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have an 80s girl, so <laughs> completely dating myself, but I, I think it's, I think that's a fun one. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, is there something um, around $100 or under $100 that you've invested in for yourself that has made a difference for you in, in a positive way? Okay, this is crazy, but I just discovered that like the three-in-one charger Oh. And it was, I know, it's like, I think I'm a little late, but it's, it's a life changer. Cause I literally had this like whole wire contraption near my side of the bed of like the, the, the watch and the phone and the headphones and like this three in one oh. thing is like so nice. And there's, I don't know, I, I literally bought it off an Instagram ad for forty nine ninety nine. It was awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Um, is there a book or a podcast that you've listened to or read that you might recommend to the audience that'd be helpful? It could be fiction or nonfiction. Yeah. So fiction. Uh, so fiction, I just read, um, I just read The Guest by Emma Klein. It's just a good, it's a really fun beach read. I'm actually out in the Hamptons now. So there was some good context there it's just about it, it, it's an interesting statement on class and it, it's just a lot of fun uh, it, it was a very good like a little bit of a psychological good beach read there the podcast I've enjoyed recently is called search engine mm -hmm. and every week he's the gentleman I've, I forgot his name uh, P, PJ vote, I think, or I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name. He, every week he does like, it was sort of a random topic. Like this week was like, what's it like to go blind? Oh. And like, he has so many like different, it's like different little things. What I like about it is so random. It's like stuff that you would never think about read about, listen to, and, and it's just like a different like nugget of information. It's like, it, it's sort of like the idea of it is based on random questions that you Google. Yeah. And and then he talks about it. So it, it's, it's a good one. I, I highly recommend that. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't heard of that. And I originally, when you said search engine, I was like, oh, SEO marketing, but yeah, uh, no, it's, that, like yeah. literally the podcast is called <laughs> search engine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Thank, thank you. So I know, I'm sorry. I know we're going a little over in time. Okay. I appreciate you hanging in there. Um, but last questions. One is you are officially part of our audience's hype squad. Is there one piece of advice or one words of inspiration you would leave with everybody before we end our, today, our talk sure. today? Be transparent with others and be true to yourself. Mm. Love it. Simple and great words yeah. to, to end this conversation. <laughs> so can our audience reach out to you if they have any questions or just want to say hello? And if they can, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Of course. And LinkedIn, I'm on that all the time. So it's Francine Fetter, LinkedIn. Okay. Perfect. 
Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Francine, for coming on. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate you offering your or giving your time, really providing some insightful things to think about for the audience and, and myself. It's been a very, very good conversation. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really enjoyed it. Good. Well, I hope you enjoy your day and we'll be talking soon. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. This is Michelle again. If you enjoyed this conversation, hit subscribe so you don't miss out on our weekly episodes. And if you're really feeling it, please leave a review. We'd love to have your support. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter where we share things we're excited about, things we found funny or inspiring, and must-read leadership videos and articles we came across that week. You can subscribe by going to www.thebosstrack.com forward slash weekly joy. That's www.thebosstrack.com forward slash weekly joy. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.